Welcome to the All Things Protest podcast. I'm your host, Christian Curran, and today I'm joined by my colleagues, Zach Schroeder and Isaac Shabas, to discuss two recent and notable protest decisions, one dealing with corrective action and the other with discretion on clarifications. Zach, can you kick us off and walk through the first case? Yes, thanks, Christian. Good to be back on the podcast. In Capono Government Services, Acoma Systems Engineering, B421392.9, GAO considered a challenge to the agency's proposed corrective action, sustaining the protest where it found that the agency had not adequately explained the concerns that supported its decision to take corrective action. The original post-award protest in this matter challenged the award of a Department of Energy contract for management and operation of the agency's National Training Center. Those protest grounds included challenges to the evaluation of costs and non-cost proposals, the adequacy of discussions, and the reasonableness of the agency's source selection decision. In response to the initial protest, the agency advised GAO that it would take voluntary corrective action to solicit, obtain, and evaluate revised cost proposals, review other areas of its evaluation, and address issues as appropriate, and make a new source selection decision. One of the initial protesters, Capono, objected to the proposed dismissal of its protests as academic, arguing that the scope of corrective action was too narrow and that the agency should solicit and evaluate revised technical proposals. GAO disagreed. It said that the agency's proposed corrective action included a representation that it would review the other areas of its evaluation and address issues as appropriate, which GAO thought could ultimately lead the agency to solicit and evaluate revised technical proposals. Shortly after GAO dismissed the post-award protest as academic, Capono filed a protest challenging the scope of corrective action. Then, after the agency issued letters to the offerers that more specifically outlined the scope of the intended corrective action and established a deadline for submission of revised cost proposals, Ackerman and Capono submitted additional protests directly challenging the scope of corrective action. In those renewed challenges, both protesters argued that it was unreasonable for the agency to limit corrective action to only seeking revised cost proposals where the agency had not otherwise permitted the offerers to submit revised technical proposals. Thanks, Zach. That's an interesting set of facts and not all that uncommon where we see agencies trying to limit corrective action scope. Ultimately, How did GAO view this? I mean, don't agencies have pretty unfettered discretion to select the relevant issues to reevaluate on corrective action? Yes, Christian, that's correct. Generally, agencies do have wide discretion on selecting the means to implement corrective action. But in this case, GAO took issue with the agency's failure to document its rationale for only allowing the cost proposal revisions and with the agency's lack of support for that decision, where the protesters had demonstrated that the changes to their cost proposals would necessarily impact their technical proposals as well. In response to the corrective action protest, the agency put in evidence that purportedly supported its position to limit proposal revisions. That included a declaration from the CO. However, GAO found that there were no substantive details or explanations in the declaration regarding what the actual flaws in the procurement process were, and that the record was devoid of any other information concerning the nature of errors identified by DOE into the procurement. On this basis, GAO ultimately recommended that DOE permit offerors to revise any aspects of their proposal 
or if the agency was still committed to limiting revisions, that offerers be permitted to revise portions of their technical approach that would be impacted by changes to their cost proposals. Got it. Well, that seems to make good sense given the issues here. What are some key takeaways that we can glean from this case that might apply to others? There are a few. Uh, Most notably, this case is a great reminder that protesters need to pay particular attention to timing on a corrective action protest. Getting corrective action is only half the battle. For example, you need to pay close attention to the agency's statement of proposed corrective action as it is initially submitted to GAO and then to any subsequent changes. In, In this case, the protester not only objected to the initial notice filed with GAO, but then it filed a post-dismissal protest, which it supplemented after the agency provided its letter implementing the actual corrective action. So offers need to ensure that they pay close attention throughout the process, because if there's not a revised proposal submission deadline, they're going to be on the 10-day clock from when they knew or should have known of the protest grounds. You also won't be able to raise challenges later in the process if you fail to protest the announcement or subsequent implementation letters in a timely fashion. So if the statements themselves are uncertain, make sure to seek clarification from the agency well in advance of any filing deadlines. As to the substance, protesters need to be mindful that you need to articulate a clear basis as to why the proposed corrective action is not appropriate. This can be difficult if you don't know what errors exist in the first place. But one of the takeaways from the case is that GAO will engage and examine an agency record to ensure that the errors are documented and understand whether the errors have a nexus to the proposed corrective action. So if you've timely filed initial protests, you may be able to get a record and ensure that the corrective action process was appropriately supported. Thanks, Zach. That's great advice for protesters that are looking to get a corrective action or have gotten one, you definitely need to keep your eyes open to ensure you preserve your rights as that process evolves and there are multiple iterations or notices that could trigger protest deadlines. So Isaac, can you walk us through our next case dealing with clarifications? Yes, thanks, Christian. I'm going to talk about a recent Court of Federal Claims decision, Aspire Therapy versus United States, which is a rare win for a protester where the court found that an agency abused its discretion in not allowing an offeror to fix a minor proposal error through clarifications. This case stems from a defense commissary agency solicitation seeking a service provider for the Dover Air Force Base commissary. Per the solicitation, offerors were required to submit two spreadsheets. The first, with volume one of the proposal, that included a breakdown of proposed services and prices. And the second one with volume two, that provided direct and indirect labor rates. The solicitation generally warned offerors that, quote, proposals that fail to comply with the content or format requirements may be rejected without further evaluation, end quote. Aspire timely submitted its proposal, but the agency rejected it due to the fact that there was an inconsistency between the two spreadsheets relating to the amount of direct labor hours for the material handling labor or position which resulted in a less than 1% difference in Aspire's total proposed price. Following its elimination from the competition, Aspire filed a pre-award protest with the Court of Federal Claims, arguing that the inconsistency between the spreadsheets was a minor error and that the agency abused its discretion in not resolving this minor error through clarifications. But Isaac, doesn't an agency have pretty wide discretion on whether it permits clarifications? 
how did the court view the agency's discretion in light of this particular challenge? Yes, Christian. Generally, agencies have great discretion in deciding whether to engage in clarifications with offerors. But here, the court sided with the protester. First, the court reasoned that correction of this mathematical error was a minor error that could have been resolved through clarifications without opening discussions with all offerors in the competitive range. In fact, the court explained that this error was evident on its face by reviewing the formula used to calculate the labor hours, which Aspire provided in its proposal, that clearly demonstrated the correct number and highlighted the mistake as between Aspire spreadsheets. While the government argued that this mistake was a material error and that the agency was actually required to eliminate Aspire for this proposal deficiency, the court rejected that argument, holding that while the solicitation cautioned offerors that format issues may lead to a proposal's rejection, the agency was not in fact required to eliminate a non-conforming proposal, especially one that contained a minor error that could be cured with clarifications. Second, having determined that the error was minor and that it had virtually no impact on the evaluation of its proposal, the court further held that the agency abused its discretion in not allowing Aspire to correct that error through clarifications. While the court recognized that there is no bright line rule for determining when an agency's decision to forego clarifications is or is not an abuse of discretion, the court found that on the facts present here, an obvious error between two sections of a proposal where all the correct information was actually contained in the proposal, the agency should have engaged in clarifications with Aspire and its failure to do so was an abuse of discretion. I think that's a very important point that you spoke about in that that last piece, Isaac, regarding the information in the proposal. It seems like if the information was not readily apparent from and included in the proposal, this could have turned a different way because then the protester would have had to potentially revise its proposal. So this highlights that while you might have a chance based on a facial error, it's going to be harder to argue that clarifications could resolve a situation where the error is not easily discernible and would require information outside the proposal to fix. That's right, Christian. The, the court repeatedly throughout the decision emphasized the specific facts of this case, that first, all the information was contained in the proposal and the incredibly minor nature of this error. Like we mentioned before, the error between the two spreadsheets only resulted in a less than 1% change in the offeror's proposal. But certainly on different facts, this could have turned out very differently. Thanks, Isaac. At least this gives hope to offerors in similar situations that the door for opening clarifications might not always be closed if you've got good facts. And that's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. The All Things Protest podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. You can find more information at kroll.com slash allthingsprotest. Thank you.